Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art. We come to you every week with a new story about your world. Today's guest is Alejandro Gongora, an artist keeping the tradition of baile folklorico alive in our nation's capital. We'll talk about how this Mexican traditional dance genre not only helped build community around him, but saved his life during some difficult times growing up. Thank you for following The Jesse Garcia Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information about the podcast, visit jessegarciashow.com. Attention Latinx history buffs. To commemorate Hispanic Heritage Month, America's public broadcasting service channel, PBS, will showcase documentaries focusing on Latinx figures and our community struggle throughout September and October. The following shows will air on Fridays at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. On September 13th, watch Raul Julia, The World's Stage, a documentary that explores the life and career of the actor. On September 20th, see The Pushouts about the school-to-prison pipeline as told by Victor Rios, former gang member turned award-winning professor. On September 27th, tune into Adios Amor, The Search for Maria Moreno, about a migrant mother and farm worker rights leader. On October 4th, check out Porvenir, Texas, about the 1918 massacre of 15 Mexican men in a border town. All these programs are available on all PBS stations and platforms, including the PBS video app. For more information, visit www.pbs.org. That's www.pbs.org. Created with pride and love of culture, Baile Folclorico is an art form that was launched in 1952 by Amelia Hernandez in Mexico City. She paid homage to the many regional dances throughout her nation that honored both the Mesoamerican culture and Spanish influence. Amalia, a trained ballet dancer, incorporated theatrical work, dancing, music, and scenery to convey a thematic atmosphere that has delighted audiences for decades. Several regions in Mexico are spotlighted in this dance. Performances include their traditional dance and costume to reflect the living cultures of their respective regions. Demand for baile folklorico began to grow as the art form became a must-see attraction at Latinx heritage festivals and parades, which inspired new dancing companies to form throughout the hemisphere. Traditional dances from Central America and the southwestern United States were gradually incorporated over the years. Half a century later, charismatic dancers in their bright costumes are still impressing audiences with their percussive, heel-stomping zapatillos that they have inspired a new generation of artists to carry on Amalia's legacy, including a young Alejandro Gongora. The California native fell in love with Baile Folclorico in elementary, and Alejandro could not get enough of it. Alejandro established a nonprofit that sustains a permanent Washington, D.C.-based dance company called Corazón Folclorico. The group not only entertains residents in the district, including world leaders, but it also gives anyone interested in learning Folclorico the opportunity to learn a new skill and for some Latinx folks, 
an opportunity to reconnect with their roots. I want to welcome to the show Alejandro Gongora, a producing artistic director of a local dancing troupe, Corazón Folclorico. This artist has been making waves in the D.C. area, bringing culture uh, to special events, to citywide events. Thank you for coming on the show. Of course. Thank you for having me here. I'm so happy and excited to be part of your, your podcast. This is great. Alejandro, tell us about yourself. Yeah, uh, well, I am uh, first generation, um, born in San Diego. My parents are from Mexico. Uh, my dad's from Atlan, Jalisco, and my mom's from Sonora. Um, I grew up in San Diego, um, spent most of my life there. Uh, I went away to college at UC Santa Barbara, where I studied sociology and Italian studies. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, I studied abroad for a year where I continued some of my dance training. Um, I went to Carnegie Mellon for my master's degree. And um, now I'm here, a Washingtonian, living here almost four years. What made you want to become a dancer? Huh. Um, at an early age, I just knew I wanted to dance folklorico. I think um, I was in kindergarten or mm -hmm. in elementary school. And we would have assemblies uh, around Hispanic Heritage Month, and we would see folkloric dancers, Mexican folkloric dancers. Uh, I just remember sitting on the blacktop, you know, my, <laughs> my legs crossed, and looking up at these uh, grand dancers, men in sombreros and charro outfits, women with big dresses, and just being in total awe. You know one of those moments where you see your superhero for the first time? Exactly, exactly. It was just marvelous to see all the movement and the excitement around something that was part of my cultural identity and that I would later and the music. on. And the music. Oh, it was just so moving to hear mariachis and uh, hear the gritos of the dancers. It, it was just something that really called my attention as a kid. For a lot of Latinos growing up along the border, that is something like a rite of passage. Uh, in schools, we would have our Hispanic heritage events throughout the year, not just in October and September. We <laughs> would actually have festivals celebrating our relationship with Mexico. Um, in Brownsville, where I'm from, every February we had Charro Days. And we got to go through, I got to go through some of the same feelings you went through, yeah. where we had to practice had a, a two dances at least so we could perform uh -huh. along the parade and it was a big thing to be involved with it yeah it was it was like and first it felt like a burden because it was like oh we have to do this again you know because it would always be first and third and fifth grade <laughs> and i was always picked because they knew that i would get the, the the dances down but once you're in the moment it's almost like wow yeah you get to express something about yourself and it's addicting and it's and it's it beautiful is. definitely is it's it's great that you mentioned you know you're bringing dancing in elementary school for me that was an opportunity that i wanted i would ask my mom and my dad please put me in folklorico dance yes. my school didn't offer it and it wasn't something that was accessible to me and when i was searching for it well when my parents were it it just turned out to be something that was very expensive and the time commitment was some uh, a factor that you know for for my parents that worked uh, multiple jobs it, it just wasn't something that was accessible for me 
um, probably not to mention some machismo aspects in there too, right? <laughs> I want to talk, talk about that. What was your family's reaction to you wanting to pursue dance at such a young age and throughout your life? Um, I think by the time I started dancing, which was in high school, it was something that my parents were excited for me to do. It, it, they were proud that I was uh, exploring my cultural heritage and performing it. Um, at the same time, as I continued my development and my investment into Folklorico, um, some of my siblings were like, well, why aren't you working? You could be spending all this time doing something and giving back to our family or, you know, making something more productive than art, than yeah. dance, you know? Um, and that's when I knew that, you know, I'm not doing dance. I'm not, I'm not invested into folklorico because of a monetary value. It's something that for me, I identify dance as something therapeutic, as something of part of my cultural identity something that I nurture and um, believe has more benefit than something that I pay or get money for. Um, there's just something about art and performance art that allows someone to... It feeds the soul. Yeah. Yeah, you learn something about yourself. You're able to engage um, with others. Uh, when I started in high school, it was my... Well, I used the excuse that I wanted to meet people. Yes. And I wanted to make friends. Um, and that was partly true. Um, but I didn't realize that I was going to be part of a community. Mm -hmm. And that community aspect, it, it saved my life. Um, in high school, my, my parents... Well, I was coming um, home f uh, from a summer conference in Sacramento. I was mm -hmm. very empowered I was this Chicano yeah. <laughs> wanting to change the world. I yes. learned about the legislative process. I learned about uh, what it is to be Chicano. Um, I came home from the summer um, conference called the Chicano Latino Youth Leadership Project. And when I got home, my parents uh, split up. And uh, we had just moved to a house. It was my parents' first time buying a, a home. And this was... In the, in the 2000s when people when families could buy a home with no money down mm -hmm. and they can uh, you know reach that American dream well um, I miss a divorce um, and not being able to financially sustain my mom and myself um, we became homeless and it was the school year it was October and um, my mom was trying to figure things out for us yes my mom and I, well, we were able to have a plan. I, I was able to ask some of my folklorical classmates if they would, if they could take me in. And, um, and that's where I, I learned the testament of our community. I was like, wow, I can confide in, in some of my folklorical friends and, and in this point of vulnerability, ask if I could stay with them. I stayed with them for about a, a month. Yes. Uh, until my mom and myself uh, bounced back off on our, bounced back on our feet, um, but that moment was something that really um, brought light and defined what folklorico could be, for me, and the power that folklorico has in bringing people together. Not so much about 
you know, well, you love mariachi music, so you become a folklorico dancer. It's more that there's all these multiple elements, whether it be cultural identity, the love for the music, or wanting to learn about the culture, or just the, the, the aspect of community. Of community, that people are there to learn about heritage or traditions or create traditions and culture. Uh, that has always been really special to me up until this day. So what performers growing up in media like TV, movies, Broadway stars, did you admire growing up? Or was it just that watching that mariachi charro dancing <laughs> when you were young? Uh, I, that was uh, one of the biggest moments. Um, I think at, in high school, I was exposed to um, the Ballet Folklorico de Mexico, the mm -hmm. Amalia Hernandez. And that that moment, seeing a concert by the Folklorico, like the yeah. company that established Folklorico on an international platform, that moment, real that, that was such a motivation to me. I knew that one day I wanted to be on a stage and bringing that movement and that vigor, um, making people smile and clap and feel something connected to uh, culture. It was just a special moment where I knew I wanted to be like them, to train and dance and, and, and develop as a performer. Um, also, I, I, I did grow up um, hearing a lot of types of music and my uh, brother plays uh, uh, jazz instruments um, uh, my other brother, he's a, a theater background. So I'd been exposed to the arts and that kind of encouraged my artist inside me to continue, mm -hmm. uh, pursuing folklorico, even though I didn't have any family members or per se a role model in folklorico to show me the way. I sought it out for myself. I, I researched it. I'd be that kid trying to learn yes. and read more <laughs> about folklorico, watch more videos, um, find out why certain dances were a certain way or why they, the girls would braid their hair a certain way. Wow. So you, it was just something. Intricate. Yeah, it just fascinated me. So you got to use all of that research and, and practice and know-how about the Folklorico that you got to create your very own troupe, dancing troupe, Corazón Folklorico. Yeah. Tell us about it. Um, yeah, well, uh, I moved here and found that uh, there weren't as many folklorico groups that, um, compared to California, I mean, in California, you see a folklorico company in every zip code. <laughs> <laughs> but you come to D.C. and, and you see a whole different, whole different latino world here yeah it's mainly central american south Mostly. american yeah so or caribbean but not that much mexican right and a lot of mexicans that uh, do live here in this dc aren't actually in the in the city they're outside in virginia or maryland um but i knew that there were enough latinos where i'm, I'm sure i could tap into this community and build something that i i am very familiar with um, I knew that living in the heart of the city, this was like something that I wanted to create to make sure that Folklorico had the visibility, the exposure, and the accessibility component um, in the capital. And I didn't want to have an op um, 
I didn't want to. I, I knew Folklorico was around me in Virginia and Maryland and the periphery of DC, but it seemed strange to me to live in the neighborhood Columbia Heights and see so many Latinos and feel like, wow, I have to f- travel so far away <laughs> <laughs> to connect with my community or at least with Folklorico. Yeah. So that's why I sought out the opportunity to create a company that was established in the capital, inside the city, and make it free for anyone to want to learn, to come attend a class and be part of this. What qualities do you look for in performers that join? Um, I am interested in, in, um, in students who are committed. I think that's something that I, I really like when I see someone who is committed to learn. Maybe they're a beginner and they are um, fresh to dance, but to see them interested and, and coming regularly and pushing themselves, I'm like, wow, this person has character. This person has commitment. And that drive. Uh, helps anyone in life in any aspect in any type of discipline um, I also like uh, that my dancers are very open-minded um, that they're very flexible that when I challenge them with something with a new lesson that they are open to learning something about themselves or pushing themselves to the next level um, I have dancers of all levels and I think this class and the dance company offer something different for everyone. Do they have to be physically fit? <laughs> or, you know, do they have to be in shape to be dancing for 45 minutes to an hour straight? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, uh, stamina and, and, and uh, you know, just cardiovascular endurance does help. But I don't think that there's a specific mold that... Um, that is needed for dance. I think anybody can dance. Anybody can dance. They and just have to have... Yeah, if, it, if yeah. it comes from your heart, si te sale del corazón, then come to my class. I mean, yeah. I'm not interested in a waist size. I'm not looking for <laughs> a specific size for the wardrobe. We fundraise for our wardrobe. Um, Very I, beautiful outfits, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, I, I, I make sure that we fundraise the outfits so that anybody who were to join the group doesn't have the obstacle of financing their own outfit. They could How be kind expensive of expensive. Are those uh, very the dresses? Expensive. Um, something as typical as Jalisco, it could be, um, you know, we're talking about big dress with ribbons and 15 yards of fabric. Uh, it could be $300 or more. Now, do you get them make lo- made locally or do you have to order them from Mexico? Um, I'll, I'll work with uh, designers, uh, whether in California, Texas, or in Mexico. Yeah. Um, but here in D.C., I just don't have that yeah. <laughs> the know-how. resource. Yeah. Do Why is it important to keep this tradition alive in today's culture? Um, well, look at what's going on around us, where we were talking about diversity being such an important matter to our generation. I think um, we forget about how or we take for granted how um, inclusion could be such an important aspect to our community. Like inclusion means seeing that the person feels like they belong and that they're unique. 
and in this country we see diversity of all shapes and colors and and the whole spectrum um latinos make up about 25 percent of the u.s population and a big majority of that is mexican descent so for me making sure that corazón folclorico that folklorical dance is seen here in the capital is so important so that we can preserve that national identity of diversity and inclusion um, it's just something that's innate to the united states and representing my culture is equally is 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 as equally important as representing everyone else's culture amazing when is your next fundraiser performance <laughs> Um, well, our next uh, performance is a Hispanic Heritage Celebration. You're, I mean, we're coming into a busy season. <laughs> yes, it is. September and October. Tell yes. us about it. Uh, on September 28th, we're working with the Embassy of Mexico's Cultural Institute. Wow, congratulations. We'll be, thank you. Uh, we'll be performing at the Cultural Institute um, here in D.C. Uh, for about 160 guests. Uh, it's going to be a Saturday evening performance where we will put on our show Mexicanidad, a Hispanic heritage celebration. How many dancers? How many couples? Uh, total, the company, well, we just registered a bunch of new ones. Okay. So now we're seeing a company size of over 30. Wow. Um, not everyone will get to perform at this mm -hmm. uh, performance. Only the best but, of the best. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, those are committed, yeah. you know, and, and, and I, I think every dancer has their opportunity to develop. Mm -hmm. And I sure, certainly make sure that they all feel like they have the opportunity to elect to perform. If yeah. they're available and interested in performing, I'm gonna do all my my part to support their development as they're as a make sure they're prepared. Yeah, I mean, my goal is to provide the support for someone to learn how to dance, to portray Mexico, to uh, showcase the the feeling and the the personality of a charro or a Veracruz dancer. Um, but what a great honor to be performing. In front of the actual Mexican government, and there, yes. <laughs> and it's a lot of pressure. I've been uh, very honored and very uh, lucky. Uh, I'm humbled to uh, have this partner. Uh, we're the resident artist, wow. and um, they help us. They've been incubating us as an uh, as a artistic cultural company, uh, tuning us in into Mexico's life. Uh, excuse me, into Washington. Mexican life. Yes. Um, last year we performed for their Independence Day, which was a great honor to be part of that experience. Um, and now we're performing for Hispanic Heritage Month. Amazing. So if people want to learn more about Corazón Folclorico, yeah. what website? Uh, you can visit us at CorazónFolcloricoDC.com. Um, you can visit our company's page on Facebook, Corazón Folclorico Dance Company. Uh, certainly, folks that are interested in seeing us perform can request performances. We are um, very excited to perform at different events. We've performed for the Smithsonian uh, Portrait Gallery, uh, for LULAC, for MILDEF, 
for uh, private parties. I mean, we're we're here to showcase culture, and any opportunity is definitely welcomed. And you're a nonprofit, right? Five hundred one c three. We are five hundred one c three nonprofit. Any folks interested in making a tax deductible uh, contribution is more than appreciated. And they can do that on the website. Correct? On our website, on our Facebook page with check, cash, <laughs> Venmo. <laughs> Thank you so much, Alejandro, for all the work that you do to keep this culture, uh, uh, beautiful culture from Mexico, folkloric uh, dancing alive Thank in you. the nation's capital. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me here. <laughs>